You're listening to the Sexy Vampire Teeth Podcast. Enjoy the show. Yo, Joe. Yo, Justin. What's going on, man? Justin, what's your favorite scary movie? My life. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dark. <laughs> uh, uh, you made the actually, joke better. <laughs> that's actually a direct line from Scream 3. Ugh. Yeah, well, uh, we're going to talk about the Scream franchise today because Scream 5 is coming out next week. We're going to talk about that. So we figured we'd do a little retrospect of the series, talk about the four movies that are out, not get into each one like in a, a lot of detail here, but just kind of talk about the movie a little bit, uh, our feelings on it, you know, what the movie's kind of about, and uh, just kind of rap about Scream. That's pretty much what the podcast is going to be. So get ready, everybody. Yeah, so... Um, it's a Screamathon. I, I, Screamathon. <laughs> uh, Screamathon 2022. Mm. In 3D. The stab or, or Stab-A-Vision. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess the origins of this movie, uh, or this franchise, I should say, go back to probably around 95. Um, I got a young screenwriter, uh, Kevin Williamson, who's just kind of hasn't, or hasn't really gotten anything, uh, produced or even bought. There is, uh, I believe at the time there actually was a rash of, uh, serial serial killings going on um in the area i want to say he was in la at the time okay um so it was just kind of like a stormy spooky night he's sitting at home and he kind of comes up with this idea and just starts writing and what he wrote uh at the time was called scary movie <laughs> really yeah that's that that was the title of the of the movie that was the title of the movie while they were shooting it i don't think they actually came up with the title scream until after the fact but yeah um so he wrote he writes this thing and um he gets it sent out and uh, people are looking at it and they look at the you know the cover page and they see the title and they immediately assume it's going to be a comedy well it, it was kind of I mean, in a way, yes, but that, like that first movie, sure, it was funny, but it was also pretty fucking dark, and it was scary. Like especially like that that opening scene, man. The, like that, the tension just builds and builds. In the first movie, yeah, yeah, the opening scene is amazing. So yeah, I mean, this thing's getting shopped around, um, and people are looking at the title, thinking it's a it's a comedy, and then they read it. And, relatively quickly realize that that's not the case at all and it gets picked up it gets picked up by uh miramax and i think they immediately want wes craven okay who promptly turns it down oh i didn't know that uh, yeah. yeah yeah i thought i thought he was involved with it right right from the get-go but obviously not because like his name is tied to it you know what i mean Right. I mean, he, he once he once he actually did come on board, like he he gave those movies uh, a very specific feel and tone, um, and it was very Wes Craven. But he he initially turned down the directing job just because he was trying to get out of horror. 
he he had done a a, a few uh, non horror movies. There was um, Music of the Heart, which he had actually done between Scream two and three. Oh, he so, did. The, uh, I know the movie you're talking about. He did that movie. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that okay. was that was Wes Craven. At this point, he was he was kind of trying to do like a classic love story, um, <laughs> or just like something that was not. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, that was not horror, um, but he was convinced to do it um, after almost they they had gotten kind of turned down by just about everybody after that. Was it because it um, was like self aware of the type of movies that? he was making is that like one of the well i mean that that was kind of the other thing he was a little apprehensive about all the references to his own work sure because i was like built into it it wasn't because you know he was on board right no that was that was in there from day one right but finally he was convinced to do it and quite frankly i can't think of anybody else who would have been better for that he was so good at finding new young talent and just kind of propping them up you know they actually went to Drew Barrymore um, for Sydney, and she was like, okay, I'll read for it, but I'd really rather play Casey, the opening scene victim. Sure. And, they're, and they were kind of like, you know what, that's kind of brilliant, because Drew Barrymore ended up being the biggest star in the movie at the time. Yeah. Playing like and, a, a Janet Lee type uh, role for the Exactly. For, for all and purposes, yeah, and and she was a huge part of the marketing of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I think most people assumed that she was the star of the flick. I did. I didn't know that she was going to die in the first ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a huge shock, um, and went a long way uh, towards lending the movie credibility too. I mean, yeah, because the trailer I think was just like her scene, right? Like. Parts of her scene yeah, in the trailer. Like parts of her scene. And yeah. then like they like yeah. some and, and, like, flashes, of, flashes other, of other things. Right. So it did seem like, you know, that she was she was a star, but that's all that she had. Yeah, yeah. It was uh you know, they kind of realized that, you know, by doing that, by casting her in that part, they were kind of playing up the psycho uh Janet Lee kind of idea there. And I think it worked out brilliantly. Uh and then obviously you got Nev Campbell who was um on Party of Five at the time, uh, she gets cast to Sydney. You get uh, Dollar Store Johnny Depp, Skeet Ulrich, yep, as a as her boyfriend Billy, Billy Loomis, which is another reference to Psycho, and and Halloween. Rose McGowan um, as Tatum, Sydney's best friend. You've got Courtney Cox as uh, Gail Weathers. She was coming off of Friends at the time. You've got uh, David Arquette as Dewey. And Matthew Lillard is too. Yeah, exactly. And and anyone that they missed, uh, as far as like '90s teen, but not really teenage stars, they're in the fucking second one. So, <laughs> right, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, so in any case, uh, the movie gets released uh, in December of '96. So, do you remember? Did you see this in the theater? I will tell you how I saw this movie. Um, I did not see it in the theater. I was kind of young when it came out. I mean, I was like a teenager, I guess, right? I didn't see it in the theater. So what happened was my father would get, like, screener VHS tapes at work here and there. So they were, like, perfectly clear copies of movies that were in the theater. And on the bottom, there'd be, like, a scrolling sort of text saying... There was, like, a warning on the bottom that said what the screener was for. I don't remember what it was. Um, It was scroll the whole movie. But it was crystal clear, you know, for VHS, obviously. So it was like owning the movie. And that's how I saw this. I got it. It might have even been before it came out, to be honest with you. Um, 
and I watched it at home with my mom because um, I like my mom introduced me to like horror movies basically as like a kid. So um, we watched that together, and I fucking loved it. I watched it over and over again. I, I could. I had the VHS basically. So that's how I saw it. I never forget that because it, it's more of a unique experience, like you know, to see it before anyone else did, and and like a perfect copy basically. Yeah, that's pretty huge. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's the only movie I remember seeing like that that I cared about. I think a lot of the other stuff he brought home was stuff I had no interest in, stuff like they would watch. But this was right, something that I right. wanted to see. So yeah, that's how that's I. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Did you? Well, you saw it in the theater. I did see it in the theater. Yeah, yeah. I figured you did. Um, yeah. yeah uh, so I would have been. 15 yeah december 96 so yeah it was uh i remember my mom took uh took me um my friend erica who lived up the street and i want to say there was somebody else i can't remember who but um yeah so we we had gone and and seen it was it was definitely opening weekend it might have been opening night sure blew me away yeah no it blew me away too it it definitely did because (laughs) You got to remember, like, there's a lot of this kind of stuff out now, but in 96, was it? Yeah. This was brand new, you know, this this whole, like, meta type of uh, horror film was brand new. Well, there just weren't many slasher flicks in general at this time there, either. No, like, and the, 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 yeah, there weren't. The, the slasher genre had kind of died out for a few years. This, um, this did revive the genre a little, a little bit. With a lot of flops, but it did revive the genre uh, for like the late 90s and early 2000s. Oh yeah, after this, it was just screen clone after screen clone. Um, basically, what it, what you saw after uh, Halloween came out back in 78 were just Halloween clones. Right, uh, the exactly. The same thing happened with Scream. But that was sort of the renaissance period of slashers. You know, like that was like their the golden age. Yeah, they were copying one movie, but... They were doing it very well. You know, we got a lot of good stuff out of that uh, sort of mad dash to sort of copy to capture the oh, lightning in the bottle. That absolutely, they had, you know? because there was a lot of stuff that came out that yeah was kind of reminiscent of Friday the Thirteenth, but also or not Friday the Thirteenth. I'm sorry, Halloween, but also just kind of put their own spin on it. Oh yeah, big time. I you mean, know, and, their and, own thing. again, like Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare, I mean, huge jumps. Yeah, when they start getting supernatural elements and stuff like that, but. I think it's kind of important to maybe take a second to just sort of define slashers because, like, I feel like this is going to be the focus of our year, especially with our October plans and, you know, most likely some of the things we're going to be talking about through our YouTube videos and uh, podcasts coming up are more slasher and 80s heavy because that's kind of what we gravitate towards, right? I mean, we're getting a lot of returning IPs in that area as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of genres and subgenres of horror. So, well, if you had to define slasher, I think that the best definition would be a movie with a body count. Something with a killer that's taking revenge for, like, a past injustice. And, well, all the characters in the movie are usually systematically killed in creative ways, typically with, like, a sharp instrument, as the term slasher implies. As, as the I'll take ter- that. Yeah. Until, basically, you have a final girl, which that term has become, like, a thing, right? Like, the final girl, last person that uh, survives... Fights back, wins the day, you know, uh, stops the villain, kills the villain, whatever happens. And that's basically your movie, right? And you have, like, these common tropes in every slasher movie. Well, most slasher movies that are... The kills could happen on, like, an anniversary, right? Or, like, a specific location. And, you know, your hero, Final Girl, is usually a virgin, right? Because the kids getting killed are doing drugs, 
doing the alcohol, doing the sex, all those things. Right. And they get killed. But whenever you have sequels and slashers, typically you follow the killer, not the hero. And the classic slasher period, like we just discussed, was basically like 78 to 84. That was like the big boom. Like... A lot of like film uh, scholars and historians and critics, whatever, just fans of horror in general, consider the seventy-eight to eighty-four to be like the golden age of slashers. That's like your main slashers came out around that time, and a little bit later on in the eighties. And like you were saying before, like the nineties, they didn't have a lot, and this movie did sort of you know bring that back into the fold, um, for better or worse. I don't know. We'll probably get into it as as time goes on, but essentially, like that's what I think a slasher would be defined as. Um, and I think most people kind of cite that as well. And um, and that's basically what your slasher is. Now, this movie, like I just said before, you know, typical slasher sequels follow the killer. This movie does the complete opposite. It Every sequel follows Sidney Prescott, which makes it like a little bit more unique. Right. You know, your killer is always somebody different. It's the same costume, but it's not the same person. Right. It's a... It, it... That's what that's the thing that actually I really love about the Scream uh, series is that it's a whodunit. You know, it's every movie is a mystery. Right. It's like Scooby Doo. Some of them work out better. <laughs> it is. Well, <laughs> it's a little Scooby Dooish. It be, <laughs> it, be it, it definitely becomes Scooby Doo. Yes, it does, and I think you've said that before too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I've been saying that you know almost since this one particular movie came out, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it It starts off, the series itself starts off, you know, it's 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 a very meta-horror movie. Um, oh, 100%. It's not, it's not the first meta-horror movie. I think, actually, Wes Craven tried this before, two years earlier. What, you're talking about New Nightmare? With New Nightmare. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I said it like an idiot. New Nightmare? <laughs> new Nightmare? <laughs> you're talking about Wes Craven's New Nightmare? <laughs> Oh, God. From 1994? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, New Nightmare, you know, he, he had kind of delved into the uh, meta-horror genre with that movie. And yes. Honestly, like, it's one of my favorite nightmare movies, one of my favorite horror movies, period. Yeah. It's just ever so slightly ahead of its time. No, yeah, it didn't do well, yeah. Because... Two years later, Scream comes out and is an enormous success. Well, they're that close together. I didn't realize that. Yeah, New Nightmare comes out in 94. This movie came, came out in 96. So hmm. two, two years later, this this movie really kind of popularizes um, sort of the meta-horror genre where things become very self-referential. Yes, big time. That's sort of what this uh, era of slash movies sort of became. You know, because even like the, I know what you did last summer movies that were around the same time were kind of ripped off of Scream, right? And they were a little self-aware as well. Not to the same, not, not to the right, same I, degree, I, but yeah. I mean, I think, I think the secret at the time was if you were going to make a, a, a slasher flick in the 90s, what you had to do was get an actress from Party of Five. Yep. Get maybe somebody from Buffy. Felicity. Or Felicity. Yeah. You had to get both. like, yeah. You had to get like the... The WB Fox teen heartthrobs that were like right. 30, but yeah, basically. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, or, you know, was, it, then, was there a girl in a Clearox, uh, a Clearasil commercial? Get her too. 
That would be Get important. Her. Yeah, that would be super her. important. Because all, all, all the chicks back then <laughs> from the 90s that were worth anything did clear silk commercials. If you remember correctly, that was kind of what it is. Or, or anti-drug PSAs. Ah, uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. But, so. Yeah. In any case, Scream comes out. It's a huge success. I actually, oh, I'm sorry, I actually forgot to mention one of the biggest contributing factors to this movie's success was actually, I think, Roger Jackson, the voice actor who provides the voice on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Who, I guess, did throughout all the movies, right? Yep. Yeah. Including the, the new one. Who is that um, guy? Who is he? Yeah. Uh, well, he's a voice actor named Roger Jackson. His, um, his other big claim to fame is that he is the voice of Mojo Jojo on Powerpuff Girls. Oh God! Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I mean he he's done a lot of voice work. That monkey like, bad guy, right? Yep. Um, yeah, but but the, yeah, this is probably his most well known. Yeah, role. I know this movie. You know, obviously, because I I was I was there when it happened, right? <laughs> so like, it was huge. It's fucking huge. Everybody talked about Scream, um, and rightly so because it was a game changing horror movie. It brought back the slasher genre in a different way. Um, yeah, yeah, you had like bigger stars. I mean, we, we say big stars, but there were people that people paid attention to. It hit the right demographic. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't know what it was. Like, I guess at the time there there really wasn't anything that was like teen oriented as far as hor- horror was concerned. No, because when you have your slasher movies, for the most part, right? Not always, but for the most part, it's a lot of no name kids. And even the ones that are big names weren't at the time. Like when you go and watch Friday Thirteenth, like, oh well, you know, Kevin Bacon was in it, yeah, but he wasn't like a big thing at the time. Right. Jo- Johnny Depp wasn't a big thing at the time. You know, they are right. now. But when you had these older slasher films, most of the cast was just no name kids that were just getting killed off. Right. You didn't have big stars. These were considered bigger stars back then because you know they were TV stars and the audience that they were gearing this towards were kids that watched these TV shows. So it it, it was. Genius, you know, genius like uh, casting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And everybody played their parts well. Um, I mean, everybody was perfectly suited. I think, anyway. Um, yeah. Oh, I so yeah, I mean that I, that was uh, that was Scream. Now, what I didn't mention was that when Kevin Williamson uh, submitted his uh, screenplay, he also submitted outlines for, or treatments, I should say, for uh, Scream 2 and Scream 3. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know there was a pre-planned trilogy. Yeah. yeah Kevin no Williamson idea. knew from the beginning Okay. Um, that this was a three-movie, or oh. three-act okay. story. Did Wes Craven know that? Yes. Okay. Um... I mean, get, getting into the first movie a little bit, um, for those that have, I mean, I'm, I'm sure most people have seen Scream. If you haven't, I guess, I don't know, spoilers, the movie's kind of old, but the movie basically, uh, and we're not going to get into it in like bits and pieces, but the movie basically follows um, the, the main character, Sydney Prescott. Uh, she had lost her mother, pretty, like what, a year previously to the movie? It was pretty close yes, to it was, the it, Yes, it was a year, it's actually a plot point, it's a, it's a yeah. year before, beforehand. Right. It, right, it's an anniversary, right. Um, yeah. And you have this uh, this slasher villain named who they call Ghostface. At some point, the uh, the, the audience, not, not the people in the movie, they don't, he doesn't have a name really. Well, actually, you know, he is called Ghostface in the movie at one point. At one point, basically, the way he's going after everybody is he's you know uh, making phone calls uh, to kids, 
with you know like a voice uh electronic yeah. voice changer well yeah exactly so you know that's how he's baiting all his victims and then he goes after them he kills them and you know it's mostly sydney's friends and you know the whole movie like you said before is like a whodunit you know it's 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 a mystery horror film because we don't know who the killer is we're assuming it's one of these high school kids one of her friends possibly we don't know um and then at the end big spoiler alert it turns out to be it's two people which a lot of people didn't see coming her boyfriend and her boyfriend's best friend fake johnny depp yeah, and matthew billy. lillard yeah yeah billy and Stu. right billy and Stu. and what's billy's whole you know uh motivation for this well it was sydney's mother who caused billy's like family to split up so billy's uh, apparently like sydney's mom was like a bit of a slut they, they make it sound like yeah. And she had slept with Billy's father, uh, the mother left, and life was just pretty damn hard for him, I guess, after that. So he blames Cindy for it, and he, uh, yeah, he basically uh, sets up this whole big thing, right? The, the, their whole plan, basically, is to look like they were also attacked, and they're going to blame it on the father, because that made more sense for the father to be the killer, and then kill Sydney so nobody would know what happened. That was their big plan, right? Um, and then it gets foiled. So, like... You know, we talked about this movie being such a big success, um, you know, just because of, you know, all the reasons we already discussed. And it, and it is a good movie. It's a really good movie. I'm not a huge fan of the series. And like I mentioned that a couple times, and I will mention that a couple times tonight. But this is a good movie, the original one. It's nostalgic for me, too. You know, I loved it when it came out. It is a fucking time capsule, though. Like, it, <laughs> this movie is dated. Like, it's the 90s. In oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... With your stars, with the music, with like obviously the technology, because dated technology. I mean, it's landline phones that he's calling everybody on, right? And like that, we don't fucking have, we don't use those anymore. So they, yeah, they make a big deal out of the fact that somebody has a cell phone in this movie. Yeah, and the second one too was like a huge, like only a couple people had them. It was like crazy. Um, right. Yeah. So that yeah, it's it's very dated in a lot of ways, and it's just full of fucking horror cliches, movie cliches. I mean. Like you mentioned before, it's meta. Like, it's one of the first movies that I could think of, especially for horror movies, where they're, like, self-aware of what horror movies are. And that was kind of a big draw of this as well. It was That was very different. It's not now, but at the time it was so new that it was a big appeal to this movie, you know? Like, you just sort of, like, had a smile on your face the whole time because, like, these were, like, your people, right? Like, they were talking about things that, like, you talk about. And they were aware of, like, the things that happened in the movie that they're fucking in. So it was very different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it also established, uh, you know, the rules of, the, you know, surviving a horror movie. Right. And a lot of things they make fun of, like, like they, you know, uh, at one point, Sydney, uh, Nef-, Nef Campbell's character is like on the phone with this guy and like talking about how she thinks horror movies are insulting because, you know, instead of running out the door and getting help, you got like some big titted bimbo running up the stairs instead. And that's what she fucking does. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what she ends up doing. So there's a lot of moments like, like that. There's a, a yeah, later. There's a lot of like winks in the movie, which um, you know, they're they're not subtle. They're pretty like over the top, but but they're, but but they're good moments without a doubt. You know, the things that kind of make the movie what it is. Again, like seeing it now with everything else that's been out since, it might not feel as special as it did for us when it came out. But I think that even if you did see it with all the shit that you have or all the other content you're like stuffed with, you, you would probably still find something very special about it because you know, it, it, it's the first thing that it's the first movie to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this was kind of a game changer 
Yeah. And and really set the at the time it's kind of set the bar for what uh what horror was going to be. I mean, um, Randy works at a fucking blockbuster. Like, just 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 to give you an idea of like how dated this movie is. Right, right. You know what I mean? A lot of a lot of cargo pants. Oh, uh, tons of cargo pants. Um, tips. Frost. A lot of frosted tips. Frosted, in this movie. Frosted tips. You got frosted tips. Insufferable cast. <laughs> just fucking. Insu- oh God. They're the not fun. Filled with ugly, ugly children. Oh no, they're beautiful people, but they're they're good, they're good looking people, but they are insufferable. Uh, especially Matthew Lillard, although like he gets some laughs at the end, you know. Um, I mean, look, the, the movie was really made, and all of them, honestly, uh, with the one liners that they throw out and like the fucking basically just doing everything but looking right at the camera. Sometimes it's made for a theater audience, like for a big crowd to see. Laughing at things that maybe you wouldn't laugh at by yourself at home. Like, that's what the movies were really made for. It's a theater experience, without a doubt. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I saw I saw every single one of the in the theater, you know, with, with, with a pretty decent-sized audience. Yeah, and we probably will um, with this next one, too, I would imagine, you know? Yeah, 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 definitely. You know, they definitely, def- um, they definitely pull in an audience, that's for sure. I hope they do this year, you know, just for the sake of horror movies, but we'll see. We even got parodies from this movie. Like, we got Scary Movie and all the blank movies from this fucking film. Yep. So even, like, the, the parodies coming back is was because of this, you know? Like, things you'd see, like, uh, National Lampoon do, right? Like, back in, like, the 80s. Like, these parody movies that just sort of died out as well. They came back, too, because of this. Right, right. Uh, the Naked Gun series at that point had been over uh, for a few years. So, the, yeah, I mean... This again, very inf- influential, um, even as far as comedy. Yeah, I, you know, I wanted to kind of point something out real quick about the first movie, and then maybe we could like talk about the next ones. But you know, like the the motivation for for Billy, right? Is uh, he he was really upset about what happened with his family, and uh, you know that Sydney's mom was basically sleeping with everybody. Did we mention Cotton? No, we haven't mentioned Cotton. So Cotton, Cotton Weary. Cotton Weary played by uh, Liv Schreiber. Yeah, so he is like in it really just in um, like news clippings and news articles. Yeah, just yeah, just like a real quick little snippet of news footage. Yeah, as the guy that killed Sydney's mom because, you know, uh, they found out there was an affair between the two and something went wrong and he killed her. That's what he was... Well, framed for because he didn't do it. You know, he was wrong, right. wrongly accused. I guess is, is the better term um, by Sydney. By Sydney because he was framed by Billy. So right now, Billy's going to do it again. But you know what's funny is that when you take a motive like that, it wouldn't work now because like you wouldn't have the motivation being oh this woman's a whore, and that's where they leave it off because they don't redeem her until like the end. I guess like the the the, the fourth movie, but they don't the third re- movie. Oh, it's the third movie? Oh, right, right, the third yeah. movie, yeah. They don't redeem her till the third movie, which I'm like, hey, you wouldn't see that now, you know? You wouldn't just leave that there and be like, yeah, that's what it is. That seems, like, very dated as well. <sighs> yes and no. Um, I think when you have, you know, because she, she is being called, like, a slut by a serial killer, that kind of automatically invalidates what's being said yeah. just by virtue of you saying it. So okay, I don't, sure, I don't yeah. think it would be a case of like serious slut shaming. Sure. Yeah. 
I guess you know I just what feel I mean? like other people said it too here and there, but maybe yeah, I I get your point. Makes sense to me. Right. So I mean, I guess it just says a lot more about me then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I I think um, I, I think that that could still be done uh, today. I have no idea. I mean, this entire series is kind of predicated the idea of the you know the sins of the. The, the parents coming back to haunt the children. Yeah, like almost every movie. They're all about in the, the series. Yeah, they're far. all about this family, uh, one in one way or the other. Yeah, the effects of that family. Right. Because yeah, they, I mean, although there's like you know we're we're working on the uh, fourth sequel, the fifth movie. They they've kept some kind of continuity where like it is primarily focused on Sydney's. Right, like you said, like the sins of her parents. Yeah, and I actually, at the end of this, I kind of want to put forth a, a theory that I have about the next movie. Oh, for sure, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get into the next uh, movie then, because Scream 2 came out, what, like a year later? It was a year later. A, a year later, so there was no fucking break whatsoever. This movie just came right at you, and um, I, no, like, they... the opening scene with... Uh, <laughs> This, the, the movie basically opens with people going to see a movie called Stab, which was based on the events of the first movie. So, like, right. this becomes, like, more and more, like, fucking meta as it goes along. And, oh, um, yeah. yeah, like, big time. And uh, everybody's at this theater, which is, like, fucking out of control. I've never seen a theater more out of control or even, like, a room more out of control in my life than something <laughs> than this. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And... Uh, Jada Pickett-Smith, um, who I can't fucking stand. She's so insufferable, man. She gets I'm it. I'm not a fan. She gets it good right right in the beginning. Uh, yeah. So so there's that. If you don't, uh, if anything, you get that. That's a pretty good part of the movie. Um, <laughs> you know, the, this sequel basically is about uh, Sydney's in college now. Mm-hmm. And uh, just dealing with all the trauma that had happened to her. She's got a whole new cast of friends. So we get all the leftovers from, you know. Like I said before, the people, you know, we get a whole bunch of you know new people. The her friends and even her are getting phone calls again from Ghostface, right? Same voice, you know, basically coming back to finish what they started in the first movie, and they're coming after her. And you have Jamie Kennedy's character back as uh, Randy. You have uh, Arquette as Dewey, Cox as Gail Weathers. So you got your main cast of characters back because they all survived in the first. And movie. Lee Schreiber as as uh, Todd Weary, who's in expanded it. role. Yeah, who's in it more. Uh, so now it's, again, another whodunit because which one of her friends is involved, which one of the reporters is involved, you know, what's going on. And um, you find out that it's one of each. Uh, the reporter, played by Laurie Metcalf, that we see throughout the movie kind of like, uh, I guess, trying to be, trying to get mentorship from Gail Weathers. She winds up being Billy's mother. And yes. one of the, one of the, uh, her college friends Timothy Olafantastic, uh, <laughs> who plays Mickey, uh, just chewing the fucking shit out of the scenery. Uh, as, Dude, as, I loved him in this movie. <laughs> I love Tim in everything. I'm a Tim <laughs> Olafant fan. I'm a Tim Olafant. Tim Olafant. <laughs> so, so I'm a big fan of the guy. I think he's great, man. You know, I mean, he he's is, into he's himself. Fantastic. I don't know. I don't fucking work. For, I don't work with him, so I don't care. But yeah, he's uh, he's great in this. And this is the first thing I saw him in. He's the killer in this. He's basically just a crazy kid that uh, Billy's mom was able to find and help her do all this. It's kind of like a weak, weak plot point, but whatever. I mean, it is what it is. And uh, they have a big end fight at the, the, um, the school stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Cause Sydney's, Sydney's trying to be an actress now. 
Yeah. Now, Cotton is in this movie more because he is trying to get like a a story together with Diane Sawyer, also dates this movie. Um, yeah. And he wants Sydney to come with him because it'd make for a better story. And like, maybe Cotton didn't kill Sydney's mom, but he's like a shitty person because at the end of the movie, he has a choice to rescue Sydney. And it's all weighted on, hey, How's that interview looking now? Like, you're not going to let her go if <laughs> if he's not going to do the interview? And and when she agrees to do the interview, he's like, all right, gotcha, girl. And he he, help, he helps her out of that pickle. And I'm just like, wow, he's a piece of shit. I, you know, I go back and forth about this one. Um, there are times where I feel like, well, he, he was never really going to fucking let this woman kill her. <laughs> um, I guess, but it's just still like, Watching the movie as an audience member, you're like, this is so fucked up. Like, this is so silly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like like if Sydney really believed that like he was going to let her die, she would have fucking turned him in. You know what I mean? Well, she'd be dead. No, I mean, if she felt like if she if she felt like he was going to let her die, if she didn't agree to the interview. Oh. Afterwards, she probably would have said something to the cops and be like, hey, listen. <laughs> this guy's an asshole. Is there a charge maybe... for being an asshole? <laughs> but who knows? In any case. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that third act, like that whole ending in the... Uh, it's a, it's a long, drawn-out ending. It is. Yeah. It is. And maybe some of the uh, motivation... Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but yeah. I think there's a reason for that, and I kind of want to get into it just a little bit. Yeah, go for it. So this was Screen Two when they made Screen Two. Everybody cared. Everybody was following it. Everybody wanted a piece of it. Everybody was trying to figure out, you know, what was going on. They kept everything very well hidden, um, except for um, one of, one of their scripts. Because the script for this movie got leaked online. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, so this was one of the first script leaks. Um, again, this happened sometime, uh, I guess, around mid-97, maybe a little late. It was, you know, it, the script got leaked before the movie came out. Um, so, obviously, the ending of the movie got leaked. Everybody knew what it was going to be. So they had to reshoot it. Oh. They had to rewrite it and reshoot it. What, do you know what it was? Yes. Um, now, there were some... It was an earlier draft, so there were some changes. There were some differences between the script and the final the final movie. The ending was complete, almost completely different um, mm. because they had to change that for just the purposes of keeping the surprise. Yeah, sure. So, um, the original killers, there were actually originally three killers... Um, the ending plays out very much like the third act, I should say, plays out very much the way it does in the movie itself. It does still takes place in that theater. Okay. Um, Mrs. Loomis is still the main killer. Right. Uh, the other two are Derek and Hallie, Sydney's boyfriend and her and her roommate, her best friend. Oh, okay. And they were like, all three of them are in it together. Derek and Hallie are happy fair together. So, yeah, that, that whole thing plays out very differently. And then, at the end, Cotton still comes in, kills Mrs. Loomis, and then him and Sydney go at it. They fight? They fight. Oh, okay. But, but then the last couple of pages were not included because the ending of the movie, nobody 
set got the last couple of pages of the script because they didn't want anybody knowing who the killer was or like what the what the actual ending was going to be. Okay. I didn't, yeah, so I they fight, and then we don't know what happened. Okay, so did, but did, was it ever discussed later on, like what was supposed to happen, or no? Because that doesn't uh, happen in the movie at all. No, that does not yeah. happen in the movie. Okay. Again, this was an earlier draft. There were some other changes as well, like um, Randy was actually Gail's cameraman. Oh, okay. Well, Randy. So Randy dies in this movie because we, we we start to get main characters killed in each movie, basically at this point, and he's one of them. And yeah. I'm fucking really fine with that because he he was too much in this. Yeah, I f- he it feels like he his character almost became like a like a caricature. Yeah, it was because he was kind of like in the first one, like he he was sort of like that guy that talked about movies a lot. So like that was a little different. Like he he kind of propelled the story a lot um, because he was explaining to people what was going to happen next as per rules of horror movies, and that's what would happen. Um. So, yeah, he was a big part of the first one. Uh, funny? Eh, not really. I mean, Matthew Lillard's character was kind of hard to watch, too. Although he was funny at the end of the movie. Um, I think he had some pretty pretty funny moments. Like, you know, at the time they were, they were funny. Because um, it was like a different sense of humor that we, we see all the time now. But Jamie Kennedy in general, like, people like, just don't really like him that much. So he was like, yeah, you're right. He's a character of himself by the second one. He gets killed. And we're like, good fucking good um i'm gonna go ahead and disagree with that i love randy (laughs) (laughs) of course i do i mean obviously yes he he was uh a little extreme in the second movie um i was still sad that he died um but whatever it is what it is oh don't worry he makes an insufferable return in screen three (sighs) i guess we should talk about it let's get into screen three I think we okay, said so, what there is to yeah, say let's, about Scream let's just 1 get right and 2, right? So, um, so, so Scream 3, um, they took a little bit of a break. This was, um, the second movie had come out in December of 1997. Um, Wes Craven kind of wanted to do something else. He didn't want to jump right into anything. Uh, Kevin Williamson was also busy. Because um, at this point, he was uh, doing Dawson's Creek as well. Well, Kevin Williamson and, did a lot of TV at the time, right? I mean, that, that was kind of like a big thing for him. Well, Dawson's Creek. It was just it was just that was Dawson's it? Creek yeah. that he had going. But he also had like other movies that he was uh, writing. He he wrote. I know what you did last summer. Okay. He wrote The Faculty. Um, he had a movie that he was writing and directing called Teaching Mrs. Tingle. I remember the movie. Yeah, it, it, all all similar like type of movies, like teen stars in. Horror flicks, yeah. I mean, yeah. This, like this horror is, comedy yeah. type things. The late nineties were full of these movies, mm-hmm. so he was yeah. basically most like of, the most guy. Of them written by yeah. Kevin Williams. Well, there you go. Right. Oh, also, he wrote um, the first draft of Halloween H two O. Well, that makes sense because it's very similar to these kinds of movies. Yeah, yeah. So everybody was kind of trying not to move on, but they just wanted a break from the series. Um, sure, it makes sense. Because there was a yeah. lot of pressure. Like like you said before, nobody gave a shit about Scream 1. Scream 2 was, like, there was a lot riding on that because of the success of the first one. Now you got the third one, like, it's... That's a tough movie to make. Yeah. 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 And Scream 2 was also... It, it was it was huge. Was it as good as Scream 1? No. Um, I still really like the second one. 
Um, yeah, I could take it or leave it. I'm, I'm not really... I feel like it's a little stale. I feel like a lot of the jokes and the plot points fall kind of flat for me. There's things I like about it, for sure. You know, I like Mickey. I thought he was... Even, even not as a killer. Like, he was the guy that, like... Always talked about movies and like, oh, there's, you know, here here are sequels that are actually good. Like, there was those type of characters in this movie, which I liked. You know, again, that was different. It was new. I, I guess I liked the first one so much, I was just into seeing more of it. But once it was over and like once I've seen it a couple more times, like after that, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm not a fan. And I didn't really see any of the other ones until like just later down the road when I was like, all right, let me, let me finally check out Scream 3. You know, it was years after the fact. Let me check out Scream 4. It was also like a good year or two after it came out. So I didn't jump on these movies after that. I just kind of was just like whatever about it. And honestly, I wasn't blown away by them anyway. But Right. Yeah, well, just a real quick, a little backstory here. Um, so between Scream 2 and Scream 3, uh, Columbine happened. Uh, and, th- and those two kids... You know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of discussion about violence in video games, uh, violence on TV, violence in movie. Right. Well, The Matrix was like a big inspiration for The Matrix was a huge inspiration for that too. Um, So it was decided that um, the violence uh, in in this particular movie in Scream Three would have to be toned way down, and it was, and it was. Yeah, it absolutely was. Also, uh, at the same time, Kevin Williamson was not able to come back and write this movie. Right. Um, he had just gotten too busy. Um, so they hired a, a, a screenwriter, Aaron Kruger, to write the screenplay, uh, which initially was going to be based on the outline provided by Kevin Williamson. Um, but then they decided to take it in a different direction. Kevin Williamson's outline has the movie take place in Woodsboro but still dealing with the production of the movie Stab 3. Right. So they're making that movie, but they're just making it in Woodsboro. And there are a couple other differences that I, I'm honestly not 100% sure about. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of conflicting reports about what the original Screen 3 was going to be, but what I just said, that that is 100% true. No one's um, fighting you, Justin. <laughs> huh? No one's fighting you, Justin. No, I'm just saying. I, I don't want to like put out false, false information. No, for sure. Um, so in any case, what is Scream 3 actually about? Okay, so it's been... Um, first of all, Scream 3 came out in January of 2000. Uh, so it's about two and a half years. Or, I'm sorry, a little over two years after Scream 2 comes out. Uh, it takes place a couple of years later. Um, Sydney is in hiding. Basically, uh, she's living under an assumed name in the middle of nowhere. She's working. She, she basically found herself a job where she never has to leave the house. Yeah. Um, uh, just because, obviously, the girl's got some PTSD now. Yeah, but she's on the phone all the time, which is like, what the fuck? She's on the phone all the time. Yeah, I know. She's on the phone all the time. Uh, she's she's um, working, I guess, remotely uh, a women's crisis uh, counselor. Yeah, yeah. So she's doing that. Um she doesn't see anybody. She doesn't really talk to anybody other than her dad and presumably Dewey. Well, her dad came back, yeah, because her dad was in the second movie. He was only in a little bit of the first. Yeah, yeah, and her dad um, came, brought her groceries in the in the third movie, and he's trying to get her kind of out of her shell, and she's scared. Yeah, and quite frankly, I don't blame her. Yeah. So um, that's happening. At the same time, in Hollywood, they are making. 
Stab 3. Uh, this movie is not particularly based on anything because nothing happened after Stab 2. Right. Um, and, and we're so getting been, more and more meta as the movies go because now it's like they're making a movie. We're in the production of a movie basically this time. Like that's how deep into it yeah. we are. They're making a movie about what happened obviously based on what happened because you, you said it wasn't like you know nothing happened yet. And um, I guess we just presume that Stab 2 is about the second Scream movie. Stab 2 was absolutely about what happened in uh, Scream 2. It's based on... So Gail wrote a second book. Right, right. After after, uh, after Scream 2 called The Windsor College Murders. Right. Um, and they did make a movie based on that. That was Stab 2. Right, so we're in the production of a movie at this point, which is like how deep we're getting into like the, you know, the layers of... Right. Of like self-aware horror... Uh, of a self-aware horror movie. So... Right. Yeah. So Stab 3, Return to Woodsboro, is in production, um, mixing elements, I guess, of like a prequel, um, because they do mention like flashbacks to Maureen's murder and stuff like that, which, by the way, uh, Prescott, Sydney's mom, becomes an enormous character in this movie. She does, yeah. And she has like kind of, like we said before, a little bit of a redemption uh, for what happened to her and how, you know, why she was the way she was, I guess, or whatever. Right. They get into that. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's like haunted yeah. by her mom in the movie. That that was different to me because that seemed like they brought some kind of supernatural element into it. Right. And that's that, again, that kind of bothered me. Yeah, because it was um, out of sync with what they did and everything else. Right. Yeah. Right. It's different. You know, I'll give them that. Yeah, but it, it was just, it didn't it didn't fit the tone yeah, of the series. I thought it was strange, A lot yeah. of the shit in this movie did not fit the tone of the rest of the series. Yeah. Like you Jane, know, Silent Bob. Oh my God! <laughs> don't what the hell don't ever forget about that. Movie? Yeah, Jane, Silent Bob are in this movie as Jane, Silent Bob on the set of Stab Three. I don't know what they're doing there. I don't know if they're supposed to be in Stab Three or they're making Jane, it was Silent a Bob strike back. They were like a studio tour. Yeah, I don't know. They make a joke to Courtney Cox, and uh, that that's basically it. You know, um, but yeah, it's fucking. The movie's a little little out there. This this is the point in the series where it just this is where the Scooby Doo thing comes in. Yeah, pretty much. It it becomes less horror, more comedy. Yeah, and like, it's not very funny comedy either. Like, just, that, like they at that point when they're all falling down the hill, like what? The, <laughs> oh my god! It, it it became slapstick. It did. Yeah, there's like a. There's a part in this movie, and if you see the movie, like where they literally are rolling down hills, like over and over again, because a house explodes and they're escaping from it. And it's just, it's, it's honestly, it's hard not to laugh out loud when you watch it. I think at one person, I think at one point, someone was like, "I keep falling down the hill," or like whatever. Like it's yeah, yeah. I was just about to say that. <laughs> it's fucking bonkers, man. It's it's something. I don't know. Got Princess Leia. Or like Leia. at one point, the the killer like throws a knife at Dewey in the of the knife hits him in the head and knocks him out like oh, come on man yeah that that like he punches him yeah he, like it's it's very benny hill uh yeah <laughs> yeah it's very benny hill well you know um, he's always kind of like to, to, to point something out real quick Ghostface is always like falling over himself like non-stop and i guess i kind of understand because like the the costume and the mask are probably like very like hard to <laughs> hard to hard to move in yeah you know, so that part I kind of get, but like it gets just because like it could look goofy when he's like flailing around, you know, with all like the 
flowy robes. It's this <laughs> this particular movie is 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 very slapstick humor for me. I I there I laughed at a lot of parts, but I'm not supposed to. I know that first movie, second movie, you kind of laugh at parts that they want you to laugh at. I don't think that was the case in this one. No. Yeah, the, the the humor got like the comedy got dialed way up, but the, the it just wasn't funny. Um, and you you're right, you do laugh at shit that you're probably not meant to laugh at. Um, yeah, so we, we get the return of the ghost face, basically, as you can only imagine, and then we find out why. Uh, it's Sydney's uh, brother. Yeah, Sydney's unknown brother, Roman Bridger, um, who is the director of Stab Three, coincidentally enough, and you find out that. Roman is Maureen's illegitimate child. Maureen basically gang gang rape at a a party uh, in Hollywood. She had moved to Hollywood to become an actress. Yeah, presumably um, by Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coincidentally enough, well, he was fucking. He was a big fan of these films, right? He wanted to get them made. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, these were kind of well, partially his babies. Yeah. So, um, so there's God. that, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, that's that's and and that's because he's it. and because he's the director of Stab Three, he uses that as like I am the director. Like he gets we get this like uh, architect matrix moment where he's like going on about like you know how uh, again like more meta movie moments. I'm the director. I directed this whole thing. This is all my you know uh, will and design. Well, and he, he actually even yeah, explains yeah. that he set. He's the one that told Billy about this and set him right. on his path. So, like, they really try right. to tie all this in as, like, a, a closed story, like the trilogy. That's right. it. And then we got Scream 4. Um, and then we got Scream 4 uh, 10 years later. And basically features Sydney returning home. She's on a book tour. She returns to Woodsboro. Um, she has not been there in several years. And, of course, the killings, the ghost face killings start all over again. At this point, there have been... What do they say? Seven stab movies. Yeah, seven stab movies, and the fifth stab movie was about time travel. They said, right. So um, I'm thinking I Scream don't... Five is about time travel. <laughs> Somehow I don't see that happening. I do have a theory. I know it didn't um, travel through time. To... Courtney Cox's face because she looks fucking <laughs> plastic as anything, man. Holy shit! Oh my god! Actually, I think she... I, I don't know how this happened. I actually think she looks better now than she did in Scream 4. Uh, I don't know, man. She's she's looking a little rough. <sighs> Sorry, Courtney Cox, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> that was just to make me say that. And I, I, I love Friends. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Every so time anyways. she comes on the screen in my head, I just go... <laughs> So yeah, that's that's the basic idea. Sydney comes home, the ghost face killings start, and we have like a whole new crop of um, quote unquote teenage characters. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, in the movie, um, so this movie, um, the first couple of drafts are written by Kevin Williamson. He is not able to deliver any more drafts after that. I guess he's busy doing whatever. So what do they do? They hire the guy who screwed it up so badly the last time around Aaron Kruger to come back and write the final draft of Scream 4 <laughs> right I would say this movie is probably closer to Scream 2 than it is to Scream 3 
Yeah, and they try to do like what they did in Scream One, kind of. Right. I mean, they, they, this this movie is essentially uh, kind of about reboots. Oh God, bro! It, the opening of this movie is like two fake outs. It's the beginning of you think that you're watching the movie, but you're watching the beginning of Stab Six. Then you think you're watching the movie for real this time because there are two girls making fun of Stab Six. And they're in stab seven. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> it's like, I, when this movie started, I'm like, all right, this is this is fucking so deep into uh, the the metaverse of Scream. Like, I'm like, I, I I'm gonna have a hard time fucking taking any of this seriously at all. Not that I was like planning on it, but like, dude, it's like, it's ridiculous. Right, right. They uh, they they went real far into meta territory uh, with this movie. Oh, big time, uh, yeah. Maybe further than the third one did. Oh, oh absolutely, yeah. Because the kids are talking about, like, reboots, and this is what happens, and it's the same same kind of shit you had in the first one, but just, like, more, a little more difficult to, like, listen to because we've, A, heard it, like, a thousand times at this point, and B, it's just, like, it's too much. Yeah. Like, it relies yeah, they... too much on explaining how meta it is. And, and, and right. it just, it goes, like, off the rails, honestly. Yeah, way off yeah, the rails. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. Um, it, it Again, it kind of suffers from the same idea of, like, trying too, trying too hard to be funny. Right. And it could have been decent because the movie itself is not terrible, but, like, all these sort of things that they're trying to uh, do as far as, like, making it self-aware, it just goes too far. Because the story's decent, oh, yeah. you know? I mean, like... It is. It, it's a decent story. Go ahead, um, give the story. It's... And even like some of the some of the new teenage characters are bearable. Like they're, I actually like some of those characters. Um, I, I felt the characters were a little stale. I don't know. Um, I liked I liked Kirby. Um, that's about it. <laughs> See. <laughs> 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 now that I really think about it, I I, I kind of like Jill too. Sure, she's fine. You know, we get you know a different kind of you know character at this point. Right. She's not. She you know she's she's. I guess the idea is that you walk into this movie thinking that like these are the new victims. Um, you know, these are the characters that are going to kind of take up the mantle from you know your established characters of Gale and Dewey and Sydney. Right. Um, and in the end, they all die. Yeah, pretty much. Every one of them. Every single one of them. Um, yeah. and honestly, like I was, I was surprised when Jill ended up being the killer. Right. Cause it's just the same formula as all the other movies. Ghostface comes back. He's, you know, going after everybody. Um, you know, obviously targeting Sydney as usual. And we find out that it's this girl, Jill, who is her cousin. And right. it's just like this temper tantrum, like, of a, of a reason, you know, because like, oh, she got all the attention and she wants the attention. They, they, they do a little bit of a satire on, like, fame in general because this is obviously 2011. I mean, YouTube became a job at that point for some people, you know, so select yeah. few who were lucky enough to be popular enough. Now it's a little bit more uh, in that direction. But, you know, she wanted to be famous just because, you know, Sydney went through a tragedy. She thought she thought that fame came could come from, you know, the same kind of tragedy that Sydney went through. So she tries to set the same thing up for herself. It's just kind of like a little much. It's eye rolling. I, I don't really care much for the motive. I think it's kind of ridiculous. But 
but she's good and there's like some there's some good stuff in there but like i said before it's just clouded by a lot of nonsense like a lot of nonsense flat plot points it was kind of cringy it it was yeah it was it was and i don't i don't know if you noticed this about specifically this movie the look of the movie is very different from the other three well yeah i mean it was also made like in the 2010s but right yeah, I, I don't know if the rest of the the, the, the five and possibly six are going to look like that, too. I, I don't know if that's what they're going for. I don't know. I, I doubt it. Um, but in any case, yeah, so uh, Jill turns out to be the killer, blah, blah, blah. And Sidney, Dewey, and Gale survive and go on. There was also a TV show, which we don't really have to talk about that much because it sucked. Yeah, a TV show came out after this movie, right? And it's like three seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were three seasons. The first two seasons were on MTV, and they were um, one continuing story, basically. Yeah. Who wrote the TV um, series? Was it was it Williamson, or was it the... Uh... No, no, they had nothing to do with, with the show. Okay. And the show had nothing to do with the movies. Well, yeah, I kind of knew that. I knew the shows were their own thing. I just didn't know if some, like, the crew, the writers or whatever, came back to, to do anything. No. Nah. So... A couple of things to point out in the movie that, like, we didn't really talk about too much is that, like, the killer, Ghostface, like, his whole thing is, you know, we talked about the characters being, like, big horror movie fans and meta, but the, the, the killer is, too, because most of the killers, and they're always different people, obviously, but they're big horror movie fans, too, right? And so, like, they always play a game on the phone, like, what's your favorite scary movie or scary movie trivia to survive, like, whatever's going on. That was... But basically big in the opening scene. Um, and they did it quite a few more times. And they did it in the, the last one, too, uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit. And that's, you know, that I like that. It's kind of different, you know. Um, Saw kind of, I think, took that. Because that's what we got after Scream, right? We got Saw movies. And they actually make fun of that in the in the third one, I believe. Or the fourth one. The fourth one, yeah. Yeah. Um, they make fun of, like, Saw movies being, like, you know, the torture porn that came after Scream. Because that's, that's what happened. I think Jigsaw kind of came out of Ghostface a little bit, especially with the uh, game playing. But, <laughs> you know, what's funny is, uh, you know, obviously, like, the first movie he talks about, you know, Friday the 13th, and she gets the killer wrong, right? Because it's not Jason, it's Jason's mother. Right. That was, right. like, you know, a big, a big nod to horror fans. Like, yeah, see, like, we get it because we care about these movies a lot more. There was something that I found interesting in the th- uh, fourth one. When he was, like... What's that? Ha- he was having a conversation, like, what was the... like I guess, like, the... Um, the main, like the major film that spawned the uh, slasher franchise before Halloween. And she's listing off all these movies from like the 70s and stuff like that, and even afterwards. And he's like, no, wrong. And he says, Peeping Tom. 1960s Peeping Tom. Oh. Yeah, that's what he says. And, and like, the reason why he says it is because it's it the, the first... first movie to put you in the, in the killer's point of view. Yeah, right, right. Which became. More of a thing for Friday Thirteenth, not really Halloween. So, like, I feel like that was like kind of just someone wanting to say, "I know a movie," you know. But um, well, yeah, yes and no because uh, some people, it's got it's gone back and forth because a lot of people say uh, Sight Psycho as uh, one of the earliest slasher movies. Well, they came out the same in. year. Uh, people Tom and Psycho were basically both nineteen uh, sixty. Both nineteen sixty, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know which one came first. It might have been Peeping Tom. I'm not sure. But it doesn't, uh, I Brit- think it was Peeping it's Tom. It's a British flick. Yeah, so the, so that's kind of one of his things, right? Um, but you know, one of the, the other things about it, for a slasher movie, right? We don't get a lot of like creative kills in the series, I don't think. 
Like, uh, not not really. You a had, couple uh, stick out. You had, you had Tatum in the uh, in the garage door. In the, in the, I mean, Drew a Drew hanging from the tree with her guts hanging out. Yeah, it was gory, one hundred percent. Yeah, there was some gory moments, definitely in the first two. I, I don't feel like moving forward, they 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 kind of kept that a little tamer. But the kills itself, like maybe the aftermath of the kill was kind of like, oh shit, look, they're all like you know eviscerated. But the kills weren't anything like extravagant. It was just stabbings. No, yeah. yeah Which apparently a lot of people could survive. Because everybody fucking survives stabbings in this movie. It's like, it either kills you real good or, like, you're fine. Well, Dewey gets stabbed in every movie and he's fine. Yeah, because Dewey has almost a higher kill count than the fucking killer because he's shooting people recklessly. I'm surprised he hasn't murdered half the cast. He shot someone <laughs> accidentally in, like, I think, in the second or third movie. And he's like, oops. <laughs> oh, oh, well. <laughs> oh, Dewey. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, there were there. The, yeah, the kills aren't really that creative. Uh, it's more. It, it's yeah. less about creative kills and more about. I guess it's more. It's more about the suspense. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not about like. No, you're right. But the suspense sort of wears off. I think um, as you go into it, the sequels, because like, yeah, they kind of kill off a main character every movie. Like the second one had Randy. The third one had Cotton. Um, I don't think anyone actually died in the fourth one that was major. But, like, see, this is, like I said before, this is, like, the first, one of the first or main movies to have slasher films to have sequels. You have the main hero be the returning character, not the killer. So, because of that, I feel like it gets real boring always having her be our hero. And we kind of know she's going to be safe for the most part. I mean, maybe they'll throw us a curve in the next one. I don't know. But... You know, I, I, I feel like you kind of always, at a certain point, you know, by the second, third movie, you're like, all right, well, these guys are always safe. I, I feel like tension left after the second one because Eggie didn't even care about the characters anymore at that point. They at least try to establish some attachment to Sydney, like, oh, a boyfriend, a good friend, whatever the case may be, someone that actually you liked, you know, as a character. But by the right. third movie, like, did you give a shit about anybody in there? Did you remember anybody in there? You know, like, Jenny McCarthy was Oh, there. no. Right. Like, no. it's just, like, shit like that, you know? So, and the fourth one, too. It's a whole new cast. They all die off, and we don't really get a chance to care about them. At this point, it's like, these movies are real stale, honestly. Because um, it's just a repeat of the same formula. It gets a little bit more ridiculous as they go along. No, you're you're 100% right. At this point, like, you know, the formula is what it is. And it's just going to... Unless this next movie kind of breaks from formula, you know, for some reason. Well, yeah, and and hopefully we don't get any fucking jump scares because God Almighty, like this movie, this movie franchise is <laughs> they bank on that man. Jump scares, oh yeah, a fucking thing. There's even a moment in the third one, I believe, where Courtney uh, Courtney Cox character Gail Weathers is watching. Uh, Stab fucking seven or whatever is playing on the screen. There's a jump scare in Stab Seven that makes her have a jump scare that gives the audience a jump scare. I'm like, this is fucking the inception of fucking jump scares. What is, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Like, it's just some things like that where it's just it's too much. It doesn't work when you do it over and over and over again because it just gets really like ridiculous. Because the deeper you go into that, the, the less serious you could take it, and the more like ridiculous it gets you know so i feel like if they're gonna do something different with this that's their best bet I try to be a little less scream if that makes sense i know that sounds kind of weird but like just be a little less scream yeah i i think i think that probably will end up happening too um like you don't I have don't to be over it's... the top with it you know what i'm saying like it could just be like yeah. tamer like you could still have like oh this is what the movie's about it's a little meta but 
Like, you don't have to fucking choke everybody with it, you know? Right. Their best bet is to just go back to the tone of the original movie. Back to formula. Back to formula! <laughs> um, no, go back to what made the first movie so successful. If you want to make it even darker, do that. Right. Um, because you can. And I th- honestly, based on the trailer, it does kind of look darker. I don't know what to think based on the trailer. It just looks like ambiguous kill shots. Like, I don't know what to think of it. Like, you, well, give me your, like, I'll tell you what, give me your prediction on what you think this movie is going to be about or what's going to happen in it. Like, what's your thoughts on it? And we could kind of, like, close on this. So I'm fucking screaming. I don't know necessarily, like, what the movie is going to be about. Obviously, the killings of Burrow start again. Sydney doesn't live in Woodsboro. Based, based on the trailer, we know Sydney doesn't live in Woodsboro. The killings start Dewey calls her home, and basically she's trying to mentor, I guess, this girl who is, I guess, kind of the new Sydney because she's being kind of targeted by the killer, whoever it is. First of all, I have two predictions for this movie. What's that? One, I think Dewey is going to die in this movie. Okay. Why? Just because? It's it's just a gut feeling. Okay. It's just a gut feeling. I feel like Dewey's going to... In die. a courageous way, I guess, because that's like what his character oh, yeah. is supposed to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And two, I think I... I don't know... Okay. I'll say this. I do and do... I think I do and do not know who the killer is. Just just like I have like... Just, just a theory. As far as motivation is concerned, I think I know who the killer is. Who do you think it is? Okay. I think Sydney In the first movie... Sydney and Billy have sex for the first time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, Scream 2 takes place two years after the first movie. It came out a year later. It takes place two years later. Okay. I think Sydney got pregnant that night. I think Sydney gave the baby up for adoption. Oh, okay. I think the killer is going to be Sydney's kid. You think so? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of off the wall. I mean, it, it, like, it, it makes sense for the series. Like, I could see that being a thing. Because it's very, like, soap opera-ish. Um, and that, that does fit in the plot. I would like to see something just get, like, a little bit different. Like, I, I wouldn't mind just seeing Sydney being the fucking killer because of just, like, all the shit she's gone through. She snapped. I can't see them doing that. I don't see them doing that either. But, like, I'm a little bit detached from this series. Um, look, I know what this is. It's just not my thing as much. Um, I don't hate them, obviously. I watched them a couple times. I'm just kind of like whatever about them. Like, there's other franchises I like a lot more. So I do feel like this is a little bit stale. So, like, I'm, like, looking more for something a little bit different. But most people want to see Scream, right? And so your idea of that, that sort of fits the mold a lot better. It's, you know, within the family and stuff like that. That makes sense. I could see that, too. I could see that very much being a real thing. Um because, like I said, they are a little, like, you know, on the dramatic side, uh, you know, overly dramatic side. And uh, that's not a bad idea. Like, your idea sounds yes. like what it should be, what it's supposed to be. <laughs> My idea is, like, <laughs> I want to kind of break the mold a little bit here, you know what I mean? Just because I want to see something different. But um, I guess that kind of goes against what it is, right? I mean, we'll see. Again, I, I have no idea. I Like, I, honestly, I, I don't know anything about the movie. They, they've actually been able to keep... Uh, like I haven't seen any spoilers or anything for this movie anyway. No, I'm not I, looking I, I, for I, them I, either. I, but... No, yeah, exactly. I don't know shit about it. and I'm not looking for it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, the movie comes out as of this recording uh, next week. Yeah, 
by the time this podcast comes out, it's gonna yeah, it's, it's gonna be yeah, like the movie will be in theaters. Yeah, uh, by the time and, and that's and that's the way you got to watch it. This movie is going to be theatrically released, like only right. There's no streaming uh, options or anything like that. No theatrical yeah. release only. So I mean, I'm going to go see it. I'm going to pay for a ticket. I'm going to see the movie. Uh, it's been a long time since I sat in a movie theater and watched a horror movie. I'm looking forward to that. You know, I'm curious to see where it goes. Look, if it winds up being, you know, over the top, whatever. I, I got my money's worth then because that's kind of what you know you have to come to expect at this point. But I'd love to see something a little bit different, a little bit of a game changer. Because um, I'm, I'm conflicted when I say that because I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always like a purist with certain things. So like, like I said, your idea is kind of like in, um, in line of what Scream would be, and that does make sense. I'm only saying I kind of want to see a little bit more of a game changer because the first movie was a little bit of a game changer. So now if we're gonna get a fifth one, you know, at a totally different time, right? Totally different decade. Things are very different. Like. Maybe Scream 5 could be a game changer. We don't have to see the same exact thing done over and over again. Give us something different, like it did the first time. I think that would be a great move, you know? Because it's just, you know, this. why see the same story that we've seen four times already, you know? Um, give us something a little bit different. Why not? I agree. I 100% agree. You know, but for obviously like Scream purists and they want to see their movie, then I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy with that too. But uh, we will soon see and then we'll uh, talk about it. You guys could hear what we thought. Yeah, and again, let us know what you think about it. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, please do. And I guess I'm screamed out. Um, you got anything else to say about this franchise? Uh, no, man. I, I think we've said it all. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, Uh, We'll see you guys next week, and we hope you guys enjoyed. Have a good one, guys. All right. Good night, man. Bye-bye. Next week on Sexy Vampire Teeth Podcast. And the mother. The mother kills her, yeah. You know, who props to her. I mean, she she bit a dick off and slit a throat. You know? (laughs) That's a crazy Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple iTunes. Also, you can follow us on social media. We have Twitter, and that's at Sexy Vamp Teeth. We also have Instagram at the Sexy Vampire Teeth Podcast. And if you want to follow Justin, all you that's need to me. do... Oh, you're still on the phone? Uh, I very rarely ever hang up. Tell the people where they could follow you, Justin. Well, if you want to follow me on Facebook, you can find me as Justin Tong. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can find me jtong81. And if you want to follow me on Slasher, the horror-based social media site, you can find me at Sexy Vampire Teeth Pod. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can't. I'm off the stuff. So if you guys want updates on the show, please follow us on our social media sites. And make sure to tune in every Monday night for a new episode. Thanks for listening, guys, and good night. So long, everybody. You've been listening to the Sexy Vampire Teeth Podcast.